0: Today on The Craft Room Podcast, let's talk about crafting in times of crisis. This is episode 22. Before we get into today's episode, a quick content warning. I will be mentioning the Australian bushfires, animal rescue carers, and people who've passed away, including angel babies. It's not a graphic discussion. It's more part of the narrative about how we can help people in distressing situations. And if these are sensitive topics for you, please take care of yourself when listening. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to The Craft Room Podcast. I am so glad that you have decided to join me today for this very timely episode. And also, if this is your first time here in The Craft Room, a very special welcome to you, because today we are talking about crafting in times of crisis. We crafters, we are really good at this. We have done it so many times before and We are doing it right now. Over the past few weeks, watching the craft community band together to make a very big difference to Australia's wildlife carers, I feel very proud to be a crafter. And I've had a lot of thoughts and a lot of emotions, and I thought that we could talk about ways that we can use our crafting superpowers for the greater good. Now, when someone is suffering, our friends, our family, our community, our country, our world at large, we feel as human beings, like we wish there was something we could do. I mean, obviously, There's the go-to response of making a monetary donation, but sometimes you can't, and then other times, look, even if you do make that donation, you can still feel like it's not enough. We wish that we personally could physically do something to help right now, because when we have things going wrong around us, we just feel like we should be doing something to fix it. And as crafters, I actually think we are really lucky and quite privileged because there is often something that we can do with our own two hands right now to help out. So I've put together a little list and here are my top five ways that we as crafters can help in times of crisis. Number one, make physical items. Not every crisis is going to call on your crafting area of expertise, but sometimes it will. And in those moments, we can make physical items that can be used to help. Right now, let's talk Australian bushfires. If you have seen it on the news, if you live in Australia, you know Australia is on fire. The fires are fairly, like, not on my doorstep, but they're not far away. And honestly, I've forgotten what the sky looks like without smoke. We've had smoke in the air every day and ash falling for a month, at least a month. And there has been a call out for a lot of items to assist wildlife carers to provide urgent care for Australian birds and animals and reptiles that have been affected by the bushfires that are raging all around the country. There are so many things they need. Joey pouches, koala mittens, bat wraps, bird and rodent nests, blankets, possum boxes, so much more. Although the list is actually rather small, but the volume required is enormous so right now if you can sew, knit, crochet or do basic woodwork you actually can make something on this list. I think back many years ago there were a big oil spills around Phillip Island here in Australia that affected the local penguin population. The call went out for people to knit penguin jumpers and people did. It wasn't long before they had enough in fact too many penguin jumpers and the needs of the carers had been met. Honestly, there are so many different charities that you can use your skills to support with a physical item that you have made. It doesn't always require a large scale crisis like the current bushfire emergencies, but there's often people having a personal crisis and you can make something that will help them out. So this is a way that we really feel like we can be helping. Number two, donate from your stash. Perhaps you are in a phase of life like me where you are being pulled in 50 different directions with a to-do list that feels like it will never be done and as much as you really would like to be knitting penguin jumpers or sewing joey pouches, You just don't have the time. You might have the resources needed like a great stash of fabric or yarn, but time is a commodity in scarce supply for you. In this instance, you can do something incredibly valuable by donating some of your stash to somebody else who does have the time. There are going to be people in your community in a different phase of life to you who may be retired, housebound, between jobs, on vacation, stay-at-home mums, lots of reasons why they will have the time, but maybe they don't have the physical materials. So you can donate your excess stash to the people who have excess time and the two of you can partner together to create something that can be donated and used. Number three, teach. If teaching is your superpower, you know what, even if it's not, you can teach those who want to help but don't know how. In one of the Facebook groups I belong to, there've been a number of posts from people who are teaching their friends, teaching in their community, teaching complete strangers or family members how to crochet a nest or sew a joey pouch or a bat wrap. People are getting together as families. Mum is sewing up bat wraps and the kids are stuffing the little pillow section. Even if you don't consider yourself to be an expert or a natural teacher, if you can do the basics, you can probably teach the basics. I mean, you're not teaching people to make a couture gown. You're teaching them to make a bat wrap, which is one of the easiest things that you can make right now for wildlife carers. In times like these, when large quantities of items are needed, we are just one person with limited hours in the day therefore our capacity to create is limited so when you are teaching one person I mean why not teach two or teach three takes the same amount of time and now that investment of time in teaching somebody is going to ripple out so let's say you can crochet one bird's nest in an evening. And maybe you take one night off from doing that to teach three friends how to make them. That's not the loss of one bird's nest because the next evening, instead of you sitting creating one nest, now there are four of you. There's you and your three friends making them. So there will be four bird's nests made. And now there are more crafters making for animals, for people, for communities in need. Number four, spread the word. And perhaps you are lying in a hospital bed and all you can do is scroll through your phone right now or you're on a deadline at work. You've got a sick baby. You're overwhelmed with Christmas preparation. And as much as you would like to, you, you just can't make a joey pouch or sew up some koala mittens. But... You can spread the word, clicking a like button, sharing a post, even just talking about the work that's being done when you're chatting to a friend or even a stranger in the checkout line. This is incredibly helpful. If it was not for a Facebook friend, someone I went to high school with and haven't seen since we've just reconnected on Facebook, if she hadn't shared a post from this particular Facebook group, I would never have known that this group existed or the amazing work that they're doing. In fact, there are actually two great groups. I will link to both of them in the show notes. My friend shared a pinned post from a group called Animal Rescue Craft Guild, and it not only had this really good graphic showing which items were needed and how desperately they were needed, but it also had approved patterns and information about where to send finished products. That was incredibly helpful. Think about how many friends you have on Facebook who craft and how one click of that share button will spread the word in the crafting community, thereby mobilizing thousands of crafters all over the world to get the job done. A month ago, this group had 800 members and when I looked yesterday, they had gone past 18,000 because people share the posts. Three weeks ago, koala mittens were in a very high need category and they got a lot of press and that's great exposure. And because of people sharing at different levels, crafters all around the country, actually all around the world, have now made enough koala mittens to service all of our wildlife carers. And that is the power of spreading the word. Within three weeks, taking this from a very high need to a thanks, we have enough for everybody. That's the power of sharing. And if all you can do is click a share button, go for it. Number five, make to sell and fundraise. I know this sounds just like making the cash donation, but for us as crafters, it's really so much more. Maybe your crafting skills don't match up with the need for physical product right now. I mean, currently the Australian wildlife carers need items that can be created by knitters and crocheters, seamstresses, woodworkers. But let's say you're a painter, a jewellery maker, an embroiderer or a potter or a ceramicist. You want to help, but ceramic joey pouches aren't exactly a thing that can be used. That feeling of helplessness can set in again and you have restless fingers. You want to do something, but you feel like you can't. But you can. You can do something utilizing your mediums. Why not make a special piece that you could? auction off to your customers or clients as a fundraiser. Maybe you could teach a special workshop. You could put on a display or an exhibition and the money could go to wildlife carers or to other crafters who need fabric and yarn and thread and the things, the physical supplies that are needed to create the things that the wildlife carers need. You could even combine this with number four by contacting the local paper to let them know about the item you're making and your upcoming auction, your exhibition, your display, your workshop or your sale. So this way you're increasing the pool of people willing to bid on a stunning ceramic piece or a beautiful framed artwork, raising more funds and raising awareness about what people can do to help. Or let's say that you make and sell handmade items regularly. You could donate a set amount from each item to go towards the cause that is very close to your heart. So there is always something that you can do to help when you're a crafter. Now, I know that right now the news and the internet is all about the current fire emergency we have here in Australia, but crafting in times of crisis, this is not new. It's not even remotely new. Uh, As I was thinking about this, I did a little Googling and I found an amazing article online. I will link to it in the show notes as well as over on the blog. Have a read of this article. It has some interesting links that will take you to other articles that are also interesting. And I'll link to a couple of those in the show notes as well. It was just so perfect that I found this article around the time I was planning this episode. It talks about all these amazing causes that crafters have been supporting throughout history. One thing that this article mentions is suffragettes fighting for women to have the right to vote. They would use their embroidery skills on their banners. They were using their crafting skills to promote their cause. And let's not forget, I've talked about this before, World War One, World War II, knitted socks. I am going to come back and talk about this a little bit later, but right now, think about it. This, this goes back to, you know, 100 years ago, something that the women at home could physically do that weren't only helping by sending a little piece of home to a soldier fighting overseas, but it also kept their hands busy and their minds distracted. We don't only create things as crafters for practical support to those doing the hard work, like the suffragettes many years ago. Craft is still used for peaceful rebellion. In this great article, they link to a group called NANNAS Against Gas. They're based right here in New South Wales, the state where I live. These women are against fracking in their local community. So they've banded together and they are crafting in protest. They are using their knitting skills to be noticed and be heard. And they're getting a lot of press, and that gets a lot of attention. And getting attention for your cause is really helpful. And Lest we all forget, in recent history, 2017, the infamous pussy hat, which was a knitting pattern it was put out by the women's electoral lobby and in marches, not only throughout America, but across the world, there was a sea of pink knitted hats with kind of like pussycat ears on them. They were donned and used to unite women in peaceful protest. We craft to be heard as well as crafting to help. We craft to feel better about what's going on and distract ourselves from it by keeping busy. Who would ever have imagined that craft could be such a powerful tool? We crafters are not to be underestimated. I'm just going to say that. When we think of crafting in a time of crisis, we may instantly think big, like bushfires or oil spills or floods or earthquakes or tsunamis it could be a natural disaster it could be a man made disaster it could be international it could be in our own country it could be in our state our community or very personal and close to home there's that feeling we have when these things happen wishing we could help because it it really can make us feel very out of control and extremely helpless and seeing it on the news and in social media it can be all-consuming, which is why what making something with our hands can make us feel like we're doing something and ease our mind at least a little bit. But it's not only these large-scale crises that can make us feel this way. Sometimes it can be something quite personal and we probably all know somebody who's been through a crisis of their own or been through one of our own and had that same feeling of helplessness. I mean, when you hear that a friend has experienced a death in the family, a serious diagnosis, lost their job, if they've been in an accident, one of the first reactions we have is to say, if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. I say it a lot. And here's the thing, we mean it, but people very rarely take us up on that. Occasionally they do. And when they do, you're not only able to help them, it's good for us as well because we feel like we're doing something to assist them in their hour of need. Honestly, I have been so grateful when my friends have allowed me to help them when times have been tough. It helps everybody. Everybody wins when we let our friends help us. We win. Friends win. You get to help and everybody feels better. As crafters, we have quite a unique skill set that allows us to help people. We know we love, as well as complete strangers in our broader community. Now, quite a few years ago, several friends shared this one amazing cause on Facebook that I was unfamiliar with. This goes back to point number four. If you can't make something, at least you can promote the people who are doing something. And I came across this one organisation three times in one day. Now, I'm not exactly one for taking subtle hints, but this was some sort of sign I noticed Uh, It was an organization called Angel Gowns for Australian Angel Babies, and their main work is to take donated wedding dresses and transform them into very tiny gowns for family who are mourning the loss of their newborn baby. To have so many notifications pop up in one day on Facebook was definitely a sign from the universe. I know far too many people who've been touched by the tragedy of losing their newborn baby. And in every instance, I felt so lost for words and I didn't know what I could do to help. Uh, A number of years ago, when I had my doll making business, there was a young couple who were coming and looking at my stall, looking at the little dolly dresses. And I will never forget this as long as I live. They came back a couple of times looking at the dresses and just quietly asked, could I custom make something for them? This Poor couple. They were staring down the barrel of what was going to be one of the worst days you could imagine. They knew that their baby would not be coming home with them, and my heart was broken. I, I just, I, it was devastating for me as a parent to see what they were about to go through. Uh, one of my neighbours was at the same market, and um, she asked me what was wrong, and she, she wanted to help too. She made a beautiful quilt and I was telling my mum about it and my mum wanted to help too. She knitted the softest, tiniest little bonnet and jacket and booties for them. this This was our first impulse. Your first impulse when you know that something like this is going on is compassion and we wanted to turn our hands to something that we felt could help. Look, we knew we couldn't fix this and honestly, it never felt like enough, but we were able to give those things to the people, this lovely young couple, they wanted to pay us and we absolutely refused because we just wanted them to think about themselves and look after themselves while I went through this. Uh, They did actually come back around to the markets about six months later to say thank you and they let me know that they were very touched and it actually did help them. This is why when this angel gowns organisation popped up, I jumped on board because I knew that the work that they did was making a difference for families all over the country and I wanted to be a part of that. So I put in an inquiry. I ended up doing some volunteer work with them for about 18 months. Uh, I was at a point in my life where I had some time to volunteer. I was looking for something that was meaningful and Honestly, I joined with the full intention I would be sewing and crocheting for this group. Turned out I was actually able to contribute a lot more. Look, I knew my craft skills would be useful, but I hadn't bargained on being able to use some of my other superpowers. So when I first expressed my interest to volunteer, the paperwork was sent to me in a rather inefficient manager. Now, this is not a criticism, not at all the girl who set this group up, she saw a need, she started an organisation to do something about it and wasn't prepared for it to grow as quickly as it did. So I asked her, would she like a hand to streamline the volunteer paperwork and pretty much stepped into an admin role straight away. Uh, so I was able to use my Photoshop and touch typing and computer and admin superpowers to update paperwork. I did watermarking of photos for social media and I was able to use my committee superpowers to serve as secretary on the board for a while. I've got a background in secretarial and admin work. I love admin and paperwork, setting up systems and procedures. This is actually fun for me. Yes, I know I'm weird. Please don't judge me. Uh, later, I use my video superpowers to create training videos. So our volunteers had answers to all of their questions in one easy to digest program. I did transform one wedding gown and I crocheted many blankets and hats and booties. It was always a privilege to create something with my hands that was needed, but it was also a privilege to be able to help streamline all of the paperwork so that it was easier to onboard new volunteers and get them making items faster. They never have enough volunteers. I will link to that organization in the show notes and over on the blog as well. Look, there are so many organisations out there doing amazing work. And one another one that I have been involved with, not deeply involved with, but I know of them and I love supporting them, is Blanket Loves. They donate handmade quilts to children's hospitals. I'll link to their website in the show notes as well. They have an army of quilters who make quilt tops. They have some incredible long-arm quilters who donate their time and expertise to do the quilting and some ladies who finish off the quilts with binding. Being in hospital is not a comfortable experience, so to have a handmade quilt in such a sterile environment is a real comfort. I know this. When my dad was in hospital uh, in his last few days, they placed this beautiful, this gorgeous handmade quilt on his bed. Now, I could not tell you what the stitching was like. I could not tell you what the fabric was like. I couldn't tell you if it's matched perfectly or if it was completely gaudy. It didn't matter. But what I did know, and this is many years before I even made my first quilt, was that somebody made this quilt with their precious time and supplies and they donated it to the hospital. I know that my dad was warm and comfortable and that we were very appreciative of a piece of home being made available to us when he was in hospital this is another one of those things that I have never forgotten. And one day when the time is once again on my side and my to-do list is not quite as daunting, I look forward to creating some quilts for my local hospital because it made a difference and I know that it matters. These are just two of the organisations out there that are pairing those in need with those who craft. And us as crafters, we're looking for one that speaks to our heart. So what I'll do in the show notes also is link to some resources, including a hub where there are a lot of charities listed for whom you can craft. These days, most organisations have some sort of social media presence. And one of the most efficient ways to get up-to-date information is is to join the organization's Facebook group. Currently, I am mostly monitoring two Facebook groups. There's the Animal Rescue Craft Guild and Rescue Craft Co. And I'll link to both of those in the show notes. When you join a Facebook group like these, there are a few things that's helpful to know so that you can be a good group member. When we first join a new group, our first instinct seriously is to ask questions. That's my first instinct anyway. But there are a couple of things that you need to do first. Number one, check the pinned post. Where you find that post is going to vary. It depends if you're checking Facebook from your laptop or desktop computer or whether you're using the Facebook app on your phone or your tablet. From your computer, when you click into the group, the pinned post is always at the top. From your phone, when you're using the Facebook app, you need to look in the announcements section, which is quite prominent at the top of the screen. The reason that it is front and center is because it's important and you need to read through it thoroughly and carefully because it probably answers the question that you're about to ask. So for example, when I joined the Animal Rescue Craft Guild group, there was a pin post by admin. It had the graphic of the items needed, showing how urgently they're needed, approved patterns And information about where to send finished items. There are great tips that I hadn't thought of like writing a note on the back of the parcel listing the contents. So this helps when the people are sorting through all the mail. They can allocate the parcels accordingly without having to open it and interpret what's inside every single one. That is a huge time saver. These people are volunteering their time to distribute the handmade items being donated. The pinned post may also link to files or other posts. For example, Animal Rescue Craft Guild links to a post covering FAQs, frequently asked questions and announcements. And these are packed with great information. The graphic that I've mentioned a couple of times is really helpful. You can see at a glance if the item that you are thinking about making has a red dot for very high need, an orange dot for high need, a green dot for moderate need, or a gray dot with a black tick for no need. Look, this information it can change relatively quickly. 3 weeks ago koala mittens were marked red for very high need and now it's marked gray for no need, while other items have become marked red for very high need. So it fluctuates and changes and you need to keep an eye on that. Number 2, use the approved patterns. We really, really need to talk about approved patterns because this is incredibly important when you're volunteering to make something for a charity. You must follow the approved patterns. Now, I'm not just going to wag my finger at you down the podcast here and tell you you must do this. I am also going to tell you why, because it's important to understand why. I've certainly found that helpful. When a pattern's created for a charity group, it's created with a lot of consultation and input by the people who will be using the finished product. Let's take, for example, the current need for crochet bird and rodent nests. When I first joined the Facebook group, the first thing I did was download the improved pattern. Now, I confess, I started crocheting after merely skimming the pattern enough to figure out the increases and the size. When I finished my first one It just didn't look right. I looked at the pattern again and realized I should have read it properly. I should have been using double strands of eight ply, not single strand. Yes, I am going to send that first nest that I did with a single strand because it will be useful for rodents like our little hopping mice and bush rats. But in order to have nests for birds, they have to be a double strand of eight ply Because they roll the tops down and if the bird decides it's going to hop up and sit on the edge of its nest, a double strand of eight ply crocheted with a four and a half millimetre hook is going to be a much sturdier perch than something that is done with single ply. So this is why it's important to use the approved pattern because it was designed with input from a person who actually cares for injured birds. They know the bird's behaviours and consequently what works and what doesn't work. This is something I saw a lot with our Angel Gowns volunteers and why we created a training program explaining why it was important to use the approved patterns and not alter the designs. I'm seeing it again now in the Facebook groups. People are posting one of their original creations asking if it's helpful, and it's probably making the group administrators want to tear their hair out, the poor things, because all they want for people to do is stick to the approved patterns because the wildlife carers know they work." Look, if the pattern asks for French seams, it's not because the admin are fancy and demanding couture joey pouches. It's so the seams hold up well to wriggling joeys with sharp claws and multiple washes so they can be used for as long as possible. When a pattern asks that corners be rounded, they are not trying to stifle your creative flair. It's for the comfort of the animals and practicality of the item at the request of actual wildlife carers. And when they say to stuff a bat wrap pillow firmly, it isn't the polyfill industry trying to make more sales. It's so those adorable baby bats feel secure and the wraps stand up to many, many washes. Bats are messy. They wash those things a lot. We crafters, we are obviously a very creative lot. And even though we're making functional items for a serious cause, We enjoy getting creative. We want to put our mark on each of these things to make it special. We love to create and design and believe that this thing that we've made is going to be helpful. But unless an actual animal rescue person who is caring for a bat or a bird, a koala, a joey or an echidna tells me that this is what they need, I'm not making it. This is the time I need to put aside my creative ego And I will fulfill my need for creative expression by choosing fun colors, not tinkering with the pattern. When I worked for Angel Gowns, honestly, I learned so much from being involved behind the scenes. Some of it, I will admit, I wish I did not know. But even though the details were sometimes unpleasant, it really was helpful to understand why we had to stick to the approved patterns. When we are crafting in times of crisis, be the crisis large or small, We need to be quick, efficient and create an item that is guaranteed to meet the needs of those who will be using them to care for those who need the help. Earlier, I mentioned knitted socks that were sent to soldiers in World War I and World War II. It was in World War II that various government departments began publishing approved patterns. Soldiers who received knitted socks from home during World War I would have provided some valuable feedback on the socks they received. Just imagine receiving some lovely hand-knitted socks. Oh, this is wonderful. But They make your feet sweat or there's lumpy bits that are irritating your skin or even worse, creating injuries resulting in an infection as if you didn't have enough going on by being in the middle of a war already. So when patterns were published for people to use for sock knitting in World War II, it was for a very good reason. I will link to that article in the show notes as well. It's a very interesting read and there are some great photos of the uh, knitting books that were published back in the day. We want to make this thing, but when you're making pouches for injured wildlife, gowns for angel babies, knitted knockers for someone who's had a mastectomy or chemo caps for cancer patients, you have to follow the rules. They're there for comfort, functionality, longevity, safety, so many reasons. So we're going to stick to those approved patterns because it is not about us, it's about them. And when you do stick to the approved pattern, what that does is ensure that Every item that you invest your time and your resources into goes where it needs to go and it will be used effectively for a really long time. It is heartbreaking and frustrating for organisations to receive a package of things people have made without following the guidelines because they can't be used. So all that time and resources have been wasted and now the organisation has to figure out what to do with these things because they can't use them. And the time they spend figuring out what to do with them is time that they could be doing their jobs. So please trust me when I say if you are volunteering and they give you an approved pattern, you need to use it. When you do, those items you create, they are guaranteed to be used. And that's the goal, right? For our items to be used to help people feel better, for good to be done and definitely for no harm to be done. So if you are feeling inspired now to create something to help right now for Australian bushfire animal care, you are not alone. There are people not only all around Australia, but all around the world who are feeling that need to use their crafting superpowers to help our gorgeous Australian wildlife. There are parcels being sent from the USA, from the Netherlands, from the UK, from Malaysia, from Finland. It's absolutely amazing. I, It blows me away that I think it's just so wonderful that so many people want to help. But at the same time, it really doesn't surprise me because crafters are pretty amazing people. There is one last thing I would like to leave you with when it comes to these crafting Facebook groups, and I've seen it a lot lately. And we're going to talk about comparisonitis. There are literally thousands of people posting photos of items that they've made and are sending to hubs for distribution. Some people have the time and the resources and the energy to make a lot of items, which is amazing. Some people have limited time limited resources and limited energy and make fewer items. And I'm reading a lot that they're feeling sad or they're feeling inadequate because they aren't making as many joey pouches as someone else. With so much love, I say, this needs to stop. Here is my ultimate word on that. If all you can make is one bird's nest, that's one more bird who's got somewhere cozy to rest and recover. That bird wouldn't be anywhere near as cozy in a shoebox. The carer will be delighted, if they don't have to sacrifice their favorite hat to keep a bird safe and warm. Everyone is going to have different capabilities, different resources, different amounts of personal energy, different amounts of time that they can contribute to this. Every little piece helps. It really, really does. So if you're looking at these photos of people who've made 40 bat wraps and 23 joey pouches and all of these things, stop, admire their work, pat them on the back. They've done a great job but it in no way diminishes what you are doing. They are going to be having very different circumstances from you. Perhaps they have been doing this so long they can sew these things pretty much in their sleep. You also don't know how long they've been working on it. Maybe a bunch of friends have gathered together and created this large collection as a group. You do you. Do what you can with what you have. Also, If you have tons of time on your hand, but no resources and no funds to go buy them, there are some people sharing amazing finds and deals in the group. Uh, People are hitting op shops and recycling centers and donation hubs and, and sharing their clever finds and strategies for picking up the right materials for a good price, even for free. Pooling resources is what's happening here, but comparisonitis is also happening here. So I am begging you, please do not compare your efforts to someone else. If, if you've made a lot of things, absolutely share it. If you've made two or three things, absolutely share it. I want to make more than I'm... Physically capable of doing right now. And yes, when I look at the people who are doing heaps, it makes me feel that little bit bad. And then I remember I can only do what I can do. My goal is to hit a dozen crochet nests before Christmas that I can put in the post to a hub afterwards or send directly to a carer. I think they need them badly in WA. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I can because that's 12 nests that wouldn't exist if I didn't do them, right? So I'm going to say this again because it's important. And we all need to remember and believe it. Don't compare your efforts to someone else. Every little bit really does count. Instead of comparing, we are going to build each other up and cheer each other on. And we're going to get this done because we need to remember it's not about us. It's about those who need the help and what we are going to do as crafters is put on our superhero crafting capes and we are going to use our superpowers and we are going to help we're going to make friends and we are going to make a difference in somebody's life thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today you can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes and if you enjoyed this episode please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on itunes or stitcher i'd really appreciate that I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.